When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. What's good, Internet? It's July 26th, 2022, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 496. I'm your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Patrick Klopek. I'm here and I have something to talk about, but I'm going to let you introduce Ren. Sounds like you just did. You're also joined by <laughs> Renata Price. I- I'm also here. Patrick, please. The floor Rob. is yours. Okay. Rob, this happened on Friday evening, afternoon, evening. You sent me a message. You sent me a tweet. I'm going to read this tweet. This comes in from Waypoint Plus subscriber, in fact. Um, Axum Titanium. Absolutely no shade of Patrick who pioneered the newsletter craze that's taken game websites by storm. Not not true. Uh, but, but Rob's chaotic energy has been a riot. Patrick's newsletter, informative, amusing, good call to action. Rob's newsletter, an infiltered, unfiltered look into Rob's psyche and hangups. And what is incredibly important about this tweet is that Rob wrote the newsletter, t- two or three of them while I was gone, and did had a really good... People brought it. Then you know which one I'm talking about. He had a really good one. And then when I logged in to resume my newsletter duties, it still had all of Rob's information like in there. And I was like, oh, like, wouldn't you know, be a funny bit? I was like, ah, Patrick comes in and he's going to be Rob. And I wrote what I thought was a satirical take on the character that Rob plays in the Waypoint yep. universe. And I sent like a screen capture to Rob and he was like, LOL. And I was like, this seems funny. What a good bit. Classic Rob. Classic Rob. Um, like, let me, I'm going to read if you, because you might not, you only get this if you are a subscriber to uh, Waypoint Plus. You get a newsletter twice a week with uh, some a little extra bonus content, including mostly just like schedules and, and stuff like that. But there's some fun asides. And let me pull, I'm pulling it up now. Um, I wrote from this, including a section in the podcast section where I I wrote, wow, I love movies. And then just copied and pasted like the first 14 movies from some list I found of the best movies from the 1940s. Uh, The ad market is getting wobbly. So you know what's coming. Waypoint needs to drive subs ASAP. What market research from the last few months has shown us is that people want to watch a bunch of old white guys look at Google and think about appliances. So that's where you come in. What appliance should I research next under the pretext that it's going to break in the next few weeks? Your options. The ice machine. Because if my ice doesn't look expensive, why use it? The microwave. Because while I profess to cook often and can, can speak the language of food, aren't you pretty sure I'm just nuking it just like you? A home beer kit. Because what I really need in my home, which is definitely as tidy as my expanding knowledge of psychoacoustics, is an aging barrel. Where's my mallet? Ha ha ha. What a riot. And right below that is a picture of Rob... With googly eyes. With googly eyes that says, definitely 100% Rob Zachney, senior producer of Oven Justification Waypoint. And 
I shit you not, we've got multiple messages in which people are like, love, love the energy Rob is bringing to to the newsletter. And Rob, I don't know what this says. I, I've I've never claimed to be a humorist. I don't think I'm particularly funny, especially in my writing. And so I don't know who this is dragging more: my inability to write something that I thought was funny, or what you have become. So it is. <laughs> I think the, the thing I always bear in mind is that people are encountering everything as just like part of the nonstop bombardment of stimuli that's hitting them every day. And so it's just like there's a real strong impulse just take stuff at face value and not even like I would bet you people didn't even see the googly eyes where it was just like that's just that's just part of the layout of the page. Just like, yep. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, th- like there were a lot of people like I almost wanted to like s- like stick with it in character on Twitter when people were asking about like, hey, did you mean to send out that newsletter? Yeah, <laughs> like and I almost wanted to be like, what newsletter? What? I didn't I, I, no, we didn't do that. But I figured it would be too much like just straight up gaslighting people at that point. <laughs> so I just like ab- aborted the bit. Uh, but yeah, it is like. I think the 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 harshest lesson I learned in this is ages ago I wrote a piece for the Escapist about um, literally written fake bylined by someone named Shea Calavera, uh-huh. and it was somebody basically equating DRM uh, as a first step toward the return of fascist rule and like <laughs> uh, like an Orwellian nineteen eighty four police state. Uh huh. And overwhelmingly, like the comment traffic on the article was like, it's going to make some good points, but he's going a little too far. I don't know, man. Like, uh, <laughs> it is, it is weird. Like, uh, I don't know that, like, uh, what, what was the, you know, I don't know that, like, Securam is like equivalent to the Nuremberg laws. <laughs> that just seems like a kind of offensive. And so I was just like, yep okay (laughs) it's just and the other this is the other thing is everything uh is so heightened and people so easily become caricatures i think online that everyone's just like yep that (laughs) that sounds like rob he's just a little more unfiltered today ah anyway so if you want to be confused about us subscribe to waypoint plus and we'll try to keep leaning into not necessarily telling you anything from interesting about what we're doing at waypoint but You'll get a chaotic email twice a week unless you like some people accidentally unsubscribe. I should point. There are a number of people and they keep coming out of the woodwork. If you were someone that accidentally got a vice newsletter, like a vice news and you hit unsubscribe thinking, oh, I just want to unsubscribe from this newsletter that I think vice shouldn't have signed me up for. They weren't supposed to. You weren't supposed to get it. It was a total accident. Just a mistake. Someone clicked the wrong checkbox. Uh, but you unsubbed yourself from all of it. We can manually add you back. There's not like an easy way for you to do that. So if you send me a DM with your with your email, I can add you back in, add to the list. So anyway, I just I had to bring yeah. bring that bring that back from Friday because no, these that, these, that these, made me the fast round of newsletters has brought a lot. It made it clear that a lot of people are not getting them now uh, because <laughs> like I just stopped getting them. I got real mad at the at the Vice newsletter and yes. now I don't see anything. There, are, there. I should say there are occasionally we've had people where like you are a subscriber to Waypoint Plus, you want the newsletter, you've never hit unsubscribe, and you weren't getting them. Contact me if you're that person. We can either 
just manually add you or there's like a way that I manually just like make sure the newsletter goes to your email. Um, or if you unsubscribed, I can I can get you back on on list. If you want to watch Patrick's failed attempts at humor and Rob <laughs> wrestling with his humanity, uh, <laughs> sign up for Waypoint Plus. Listen, yeah. just news let us back into your heart. There you go. Nailed News it. let Absolutely. us back into your heart. Come on. You know, as we as we sort of look deep within ourselves mm-hmm. and return to our foundational basis selves, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Waypoint has a long history of going into the breach. Maybe two into the breach. It like... You know, I think we, I think we all are aware that for for a year there, uh, like in between teaching and being an EMT and working here, like <laughs> Danielle was working full time saving humanity, uh, you know, via time traveling uh, mech squadrons, and amassed something like something like fifteen thousand hours uh, in into the reach. It was impressive, like years of life. Uh, now I don't think any of us hit that level of obsession but i no. do think we I, I think we all had like had a had a yeah fun. we all i i did one run and like had a really wonderful experience and then and then moved on i did not do the r.i.p to those other universes yeah, bye-bye. Only needs to one. saved one i'm good <laughs> also i just wasn't particularly good at the game and said i'm gonna cool end universe. on a high note uh but so there's now there's more into the breach there is more into the breach insofar as like there is more content into the breach, but they did not like add additional stages or anything. That is a question that I've gotten from like friends who have heard of the game, but haven't played it a ton. Basically what they've added are uh, new mission objectives, uh, a couple of new mechs, uh, like a couple of new mech squads, uh, a bunch of new pilots uh, and like interesting pilot abilities. Um, and then finally uh, a like assortment of new enemy types. Um all of it comes together in a really excellent way. I know that it is a good expansion uh, because when I play the video game Into the Breach, I sit to myself and I think to myself and I go, wait, what's new in the expansion? Which was what's the new part again? I cannot remember which enemies are new, which is to me an exceptional sign of how well the thing that they have made is clicking into itself. It is occasionally difficult to tell, like, this feels so a part of the game's balance that I could not extricate it from it previously. And that is a very good sign to me uh, in terms of, like, the like consistency of this expansion. Which I think is... I, it's I, I know what you mean. I know, like, there is a part of me that hears that and I'm like, that sounds kind of underwhelming, but I I, I do know, like... It's a free, I do expan- know it's a free like, expansion years. You know what I mean, though? Like, I don't think it's being billed as, like... Here's a you know uh, like a proper quote expansion. I think it's more uh, just Patrick. Like, I'm a consumer. Like, well, this is like this whether is or like, not I paid for something or not. I get to be <laughs> all like it. Where's the rest of it? Well, because but it, it's, it, it's it's just worth pointing out. This is also explicitly yeah. tied to the game coming to mobile for the first time yeah. through their partnership with Netflix. So it's like you can play into the breach. But if you search, apparently if you search into the breach. On the App Store, like either App Store, like the Apple or the Google one, like Into the Breach is like 10 things below. But if you search Into the Breach Netflix, then it comes up in which you have to have a Netflix sub to just then play the apparently excellent mobile version of the game. Well, and I I think we all like have seen those expansions where it's like, here's the new stuff. And to your point, Ren, like it's all 
these like these enemies use some sort of like elemental attack that like forces new things on you. Like it's new play dynamics, but it doesn't integrate at all. And every time they pop up, it's like uh, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb. And that probably would have been fatal in a game sort of as tightly designed as as Into the Breach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It, it's really excellent. I mean, it's still doing the thing that Into the Breach, I feel like for me, was best at. Into the Breach is a game where every time you unlock a new squad, you look at it and you go, this is the worst fucking thing I've ever seen. These are the most useless goddamn mechs, and I have no idea how anyone would would be able to do literally anything with these pieces of shit. I hate Fucko, and I hate Chud. These pilots are terrible. I don't want them anywhere near me. And then you get, like, two missions in, and you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. If I use if I use Chud's ability to push enemies around, I don't even have to kill any Vex. Chud's so good at pushing guys that I can just re I can I can play the puppet master and and completely dominate this board. And and the new mechs are excellent at giving you that feeling. Um, one of the squads is um, uh, they're called Cataclysm. Their whole thing is that they apply a new effect to tiles, where they crack the ground. Uh, every time they so like there's one of them that has a drill mech every time it kills an enemy it cracks the ground around them if that tile gets damaged it falls through into open void uh it's just a, a right down to the center of the earth um which means that that team isn't really about doing damage directly it is about taking out one health enemies to crack the ground and then throwing all of their friends down pits and that is a deeply satisfying experience. And it's especially so because, like, one of the things that Into the Breach does is its rules around what enemies can and cannot do are very clearly explained to you. Um, and one of the things that the game does is boss enemies can stand in water uh, and they won't be able to attack, but they won't die. Normal enemies will die in water. But if you throw a boss down a big pit, you can end a boss fight in two turns. And that is exceptionally satisfying. And every one of the new mech squads feels like it has a central mechanic that drives it in a in a really exciting way. Uh, and in a way that, like, makes you feel like they're the worst thing you've ever touched until you play them for, you know, a couple of missions. And then suddenly you're like, this is the most overpowered thing in the video game. I'll never lose. And then you may get a run where you get into the volcano and you're like, I got in the volcano with maximum grid strength. I'm going to be totally fine. And then in one turn, you lose four grid strength and you're like, oh, no, I hope I don't lose the bomb on the last turn of this run. And then you do every fucking time. You dork. You you nincompoop. The uh, one of the designers of this game um uh, Justin Mao on, on Twitter when he was uh, when they were sharing you know these new features I asked what was uh, what was the one that uh, the, the, your favorite of the changes you introduced and Justin replied saying that the new unfair difficulty was their favorite because it actually made the game interesting to them again it sounds like basically designed how how can I make a game that I've spent hundreds of thousands of hours playing be interesting to someone who understands how all of it works and I just want to read to you how the unfair <laughs> difficulty mode please works. hit me uh, unfair mode. Uh, this one is for veterans looking for even more of a challenge, but it might require different strategies than you're used to. 
There will be many more situations where damage is inevitable, so it will be more important to take losses strategically. Depending on the situation, it might be better to lose grid power, sacrifice a pilot, or fail a mission objective. Grid power gains are doubled, which means it's much easier to pull back from the brink of defeat. Don't give up after a few setbacks. There's a limit to how many VEC can spawn, so sometimes it's more advantageous to leave some weak VEC alive rather than wiping them out early. And I was just like Googling people talking about this mode, and it turns runs of the game into like eight hour affairs because you essentially need to walk through every possible permutation of every possible move, trying to game out how is this strategic failure like turning into success an hour from now. And it just sounds not for me, but sounds like really a really interesting way to play the game. Yeah, that sounds that sounds extremely fascinating. Um, I'm 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 actually really glad to hear that that is in there. I probably will not be able to touch that for a very long time. Uh, nor do like I don't know. I think that to some degree, a lot of the like sacrificial, like I have to make sacrifices aspects of Into the Breach do make my brain feel bad. I don't like it. I don't want. Yeah. I don't want to see that. Yes. I don't want to see the people in the building get hurt. I don't want my guy to blow up. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want that. <laughs> there, I mean, there's the element of, um, I think I had the same issue with into the breach, which is like, it, it's a, it's a game full of like Kobayashi Maru's in some ways mm-hmm. where it's like, no, the game it like what you are here to do is like play that triage and make those calls about like what you're going right. to accept here. And I'm just like, I would much prefer to have flawless victories uh, where I don't make those choices. And so it's actually like I tend to struggle mightily with that game because uh, in addition to like trying to work out the, the the puzzle aspect, I was consistently screwing up by basically not recognizing that, no, this is a sacrifice scenario. Yeah. Um, and the the trick is going to make that that sacrifice as valuable as possible, like like make the best trade. Uh, and coming to that after, um, God, I can't remember was it in my head. It and BattleTech are very close. I just can't remember which was first. Uh, but like after, also also after games like XCOM, where like the the mark of success is to just like sort of start steamrolling uh, mm-hmm. into the breach was. A breath of fresh air, but also, uh, <laughs> yeah, did require a sort of look hard at yourself. You're going you to have fail. the will. <laughs> Do you have the will to be an into the breach commander? Uh, and I, I did not. The thing that I think is really neat about the expansion is that they also uh, updated the pilot, the pilot progression. So now pilots can get a bunch of bespoke skills that are, like, named in addition to, like, their base skill. Uh, I'm looking currently at the list of uh, advanced edition skills. It's things like, for example, skilled, which just gives you plus one move and plus two mech HP. That's huge. That's That's a good boost. But it's other shit like opener and finisher. Gain boost and plus two move on first turn or last turn. Uh, boost is, like, a, a literal damage boost. Um... It's it is it is giving the pilots a lot more color, which I think is I think is really neat. Uh, another one, conservative, uh, limited use weapons are given plus one use, and like giving just a little bit more color to the pilots in this game is I think a really good decision because it like makes you a lot more attached to them. And while I don't think Into the Breach is exceptional at telling 
good stories. I think it is a great tactics game. I don't know if it generates like particularly interesting stories in my experience, but I think that this gets it closer to doing so. Uh, just this little bit more of color really helps me frame these runs in my head, which is how I play every game. I frame the run in my head and try to understand it as a narrative. Uh, and this makes it, this helps a ton. I just had one of my characters get the popular hero trait, which means that at the end of your uh, act, they sell for four reputation. So you can basically get, put that pilot in charge of taking care of that one island for a four rep boost. That is so much reputation in this game. That will get you an entire reactor core. So if you have an extra pilot with a popular hero tag, get that fucker out of here. Go, go home. And those aspects of the game are like fun and exciting and cool. Um, shit, maybe, maybe this time, maybe this is, maybe, maybe this is the moment, uh, to, to once more go, go back into the breach. Uh, so I was, all right, look, this is extremely my bullshit. You're all, you're all just gonna have to, we're, we're gonna have to buckle up. Is this, is this, I feel like I saw a tweet in, in which you seem to imply you saw God, but it was also related to sort of like civil war general game. Is this where we're going? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> where this is happening i just i i could barely parse what you were saying but it seemed like you had had a moment and now i i I, to your best of your ability i need you to explain to me this moment okay so i need to preface this this is a very indie game (laughs) what i'm going to send you is going to look underwhelming okay so a couple years ago i think at this point uh, a game came out in early access, Grand Tactician, the Civil War. When I played it, didn't make a lot of sense to me, didn't really get on with it, whatever. I kind of forgot about it. Uh, my pal Rowan Kaiser from Three Moves Ahead messaged me last week, and she was like, I think you should give this another try. Uh, because this is a strategic level Civil War game that also has like tactical battles. So, but, but if you're thinking, well, that sounds like a, is that like a Total War game? No. Uh, this is, this is a game that like, I did not think it was possible to make. And arguably with some rough edges it is possible. They haven't quite made it yet, but it's so, it is so marvelous. So yes, uh, for, pay no attention to the tables. Stop, stop pulling the tables out. Uh, the tables will give you, you don't need to worry about the tables. There's an auto manage button. Don't worry about it. Okay. So the, the grand tactician, the civil war. Uh, here's the pitch. It is like, there are paradox game elements, which is what Ren is currently currently pulling screenshots from, uh, where you sort of assume command of the Confederacy or the union and you control the entire war effort. Uh, so you, you are doing things like making direct government investments to sort of help develop industry and infrastructure. And then from there, hopefully, uh, seeing and uh, like encouraging the the arms industry to sort of take shape so you can sort of produce your own tools for the war uh you're overseeing like recruitment of new units you are and now there's also some shit that if you're a civil war buff adjacent type person you're just gonna love doing like they, like this may not sound exciting to you but it sounds but it's a bit like they're customizing a uniform. A franchise mode for a war game. Like, I am in there basically <laughs> assembling a good roster for the Union Army. Uh, 
Okay. Being like, so it starts out because this was Lincoln's dilemma. The war starts. You've got a bunch of ancient, like 75, 80 year old generals uh, whose experience is wildly outdated. And then you have like a crop of like up and coming leaders behind them, but they're all peacetime commanders. They've never really like fought a war and a bunch of them suck. And so Lincoln has to like spend like literal years trying to figure out who are the good commanders in his army. And then the other wrinkle is that a bunch of his good commanders keep getting killed uh, because one of the good marks, the marks of good commanders is that they're like out there trying to save the day and they just get shot up anyway. So one you're sort of against this constraint of like when the war opens, you have to appoint some really like mediocre officers into important positions and just kind of watch them fail. But the guys under them will gain experience. And once they gain enough experience to sort of promote them and slowly, like, this is how you can take, like, Ulysses Grant from being a guy commanding one brigade to being, like, the general in chief of the whole army. And so there's this whole aspect of, like, who's going to get along well? What's a good dynamic roster of, like, core and division commanders in my army? You can spend a good hour or two just customizing your army and, like, really it's chain of command. Uh, it's beautiful. So on the strategic level, you have the entire like theater map of the war and it's not open-ended like paradox. Like you're not going to um, like, it's not going to let you have lines of play that like, well, I think uh, the union will win by embracing full communism and converting itself into a 20th century like command economy that's not going to happen you're still you're still existing within like uh like historical parameters but you start like fighting out this war and it starts out with like the small everyone thinks it's gonna be a short war so there aren't that many enlistees that you can bring out of the field and everyone's sort of fighting with whatever weapons are lying around and the war escalates from there but where this gets amazing is that you have the entire theater of the war and the armies are marching around, uh, you know, at the strategic level. But then when they come into contact with enemy armies, you move to a tactical battle. To give you a little, like, this is some context. So, like, one of the issues with the Total War series is that all the battles are small. Like, really, they are. They're, they, they look big, but the numbers engaged are small. And ultimately, it's like the battlefield is like, if it were a, tabletop war game it'd be a decent size like small dining room table type like scale engagement you're fighting and that's what all the battles are like and that's why the total war series can't really do stuff like the civil war or the napoleonic wars because those are battles that involve you know several tens of thousands of people uh, all fighting across battlefields that like encompass multiple towns. Is, is is that to some degree just literally giving the player that much to do? It would be difficult to convey design aesthetically, or is that just like no? The, actually, these games just want to present scale, but then actually we're actually dealing with sort of like this smaller I, I scale fighting. I think it's more the latter. I think they. I think I think the large scale does pose some challenges, and this game has some solutions for that, which we'll come to in a second. But I think Total War is like. Ultimately, people want to see the pretty figurines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like waging. It cool looks battle. cool to see yeah. thousands, but actually, it's not that stressful. Right, and but it also means that the battles are kind of simplistic, right? Like the, the two enemies, the, like with some, you know, some variation, but largely the two enemy, uh, the two armies run straight at each other and have some sort of big fight, 
and that's that that's kind of the total war model so if we go back to the sid meyer stuff remember how like so many of the scenarios the entire wrinkle is that a lot of guys would just be in a lot of scenarios you're either out of position in some way or like there's a huge enemy army coming from an unexpected angle that like historically the guys in, in in command there didn't realize was coming and so part of the scenario is like you're just in a bad position and you are set up to get blindsided so how do you get out of this problem mm-hmm. grand tactician recreates that at the tactical level by having battlefields that are like god i want to say it's like eight miles by eight miles um and you can zoom all the way from like a tight like Sid Meier's Gettysburg uh, type perspective on the battle to, and it's got one of the best maps I've ever seen. You zoom out and eventually the 3d model sort of fades away and turns into a parchment map of the larger battlefield. that looks <laughs> like something good. you'd find in history book. And it's like beautifully, it's got like all the um, unit art at that level looks like it's drawn in like slightly faded, like watery ink. Um, and so what you will have is, these battles will have like these entire cat and mouse stages where like, I know that the Confederates are in here somewhere in the forest of Northern Virginia. I don't know where. And so I've got multiple units sort of on different, like different roads that are like far flung from each other. And it's possible that if this goes badly, we might all be out of position and get picked off one by one. But if we pull it off, we'll all converge in one place and kick their ass. And so this game pulls that off where you have this sense of like, you don't know where the battlefield is going to be. You don't know what the shape of the battle is going to be. Uh, And one way that they they've adopted making it feel like commanding these armies is really, really tricky is that and you sort of anticipated this, Patrick, they introduce. AI generals in this uh, who are under your control but you are giving orders to their units through them and depending on like their stats and abilities, those orders can be carried out like swiftly and effectively or sometimes very slowly and very poorly, or sometimes they will just ignore them and do what they want. Uh, Alternately, you can also say, and there's a reason you might want to do this. You can also say, I am going to just let you AI general make your own decisions based on what you observe. You're out of my control. Like, just here's some broad outlines. Go here. If you find the enemy, assault them. Drive them off. It's like the equivalent um, of, like, what is your, uh, like, aggressive, defensive, like, like sort of generic, uh, here's your attitude when an encounter occurs. Do the rest yourself. Yeah. And the the thing here is the way you give commands is your overall army commander is a guy on horseback. And they're borrowing from the Take Command series, which sort of, uh, like, the the not that pioneered this because there were some more games back in like the 80s and like on, on the Amiga uh that did stuff like this too. But basically, you as the commander are a person on horseback and you have couriers. And so depending on where you are and the quality of roads and ground between you and like far-flung detachments, when you say I need you to go tell this unit to like <laughs> stop marching down the road to the east and come back west because we There's found no the magic enemy. telephone in these games. No. And so you just have that to rules. hope like, yeah, you'll that watch rules. your career and you know that like while that you're rules. getting your ass kicked, that 
unit you need to come to your rescue is not even going to hear about the trouble you're in for like 30 minutes. And do you, then, have a sen- do you have a sense of the career or is it like, do you can, is there you a can pro- watch progress it. meter? Oh, cause you, you can, can watch, you can watch the little horseman run, but you, pro- <laughs> you probably won't. You'll be too busy. Right. Um, I don't know if couriers can get intercepted. Seems like they could, but I haven't seen it happen yet, uh, which would be amazing. But so the, so the thing is, so in those, like where things are at their most volatile is when you're not even maneuvering at the tactical level. You're just at this, like almost like operational level, uh, on like zoomed out on the map where you can have these engagements start to take shape when the different units under your command are like 15, 20 minutes courier ride from one another and probably like two hours marching time from each other. And so things speed up as they converge, right? As the battle takes shape, now you have a lot more ability to micro because your couriers only have to go like a mile or like 500 yards or something like that. But like throughout this game, you are dealing with this sort of like volatility of it is just hard to make your army do things at the right moment in the right place because the technology you have to command them and then the quality of commanders you have uh, is just really variable. There's some features in this that I'm not even sure like if they're working super well, but it's a cute thought. Uh, They also built in feuds. Sometimes generals don't like each other. And so, like, how if, is this represented, like, in the UI? How do you, like, you like, see, an, like, a, like the Doom guy, like, on my head? <laughs> you know what? what you will see is uh, a little icon pops up by the feuding, feuding officers. And mostly what I've seen is subordinates not liking their boss. Okay. And so they might just not respond to the boss's orders. Like, uh, like, William Tecumseh Sherman does not like being under most officers. Um, and so what he will do is just be like, everyone here is being a gutless piece of shit. I'm just going to go deal with this. And so you will watch, you'll be like, you'll tell his commander, your entire division needs to hold this line, like play defensively. And Sherman might just be like, uh, I saw an enemy, enemy like gun battery, like a, a mile away. It's bombarding us. Um, I'm just going to go take it out. And his brigade just leaves. And they just start going off on attack. Hope it goes well, but like he's not responding to orders. Uh, he's kind of doing whatever he wants. Um, and that will just that will happen too. Uh, so it's it's kind of cute when when that happens. So I haven't can seen you, it. Can feel. you like massage? Like, can I buy them a gift? Like, or is it just like a rant, like almost like a cooldown where the feud enters that re- introduces a randomized element for this dynamic? But then at some point, you'll just be able to. I don't know, issue them orders that they follow directly again. I don't know if I've seen it in general. The way I've had to solve it is these guys just need to not be near each other. Oh, okay. Like, all right. Like one. Okay. Like after this battle, we are reorganizing this army and we are transferring Sherman to someone else. Or if it goes well, like what you could end up with is Sherman goes out and becomes a hero. Like there is an aspect of due to battlefield performance, like commanders get experience for how well they do. They also gain renown. Um, and so they become like more eligible to be promoted. They're like the, the experience stuff is a little bit fuzzy. Um, and I, I like basically the idea is commanders gain experience at their current level of promotion. Uh, 
if you promote them too early, their experience gain, I think, slows to a crawl and they lose a bunch of their like uh, assembled experience because you're basically taking someone who barely knows to do one job and giving them a much more complicated job. And so like the reason you can't say in 1862, hey, uh, I'm going to make Ulysses Grant like the general of the entire Union Army is because like Grant isn't ready for that in 1862. You've got to let other people do it. Uh, but by like 1864, Grant has like fought so many battles that like when you've promoted him a couple times, he's retained most of that experience. And now he is going to be like a five star general um, across all his stats. So I guess the 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 thing like to bring across here is at the strategic level, you're going to have all these like macro level armies running around between major landmarks uh, in in the United States at this period. And if they're near each other, they're within like distant reinforcement range. Uh, and so you can have this feeling of multiple major armies sort of groping around trying to find one another uh, in, in the fog of war. And then when a battle breaks out, it almost perfectly zooms into the next level down where the battle exists at a scale that's like just a little bit zoomed in from that strategic layer where it's like, Okay, now I'm looking at like the basically the map of an entire county. But in the battle level, it continues to like narrow down to a point where okay, now the battle is the scale of these guys need to move from this stone fence to that like wheat orchard and they need to go hold it. Um and that's the scale you're operating. I've never seen a civil war game do this. Uh, I've seen like I've seen maybe one try, but like this all feels like uh pretty unprecedented well there's this really i was uh googling like this designer oliver um Kefamua. yes uh okay, i think that's it yeah closer than i'm gonna get uh and uh you know if you look them up on steam they've got a you know a, a number of uh, uh games or, well i guess two really uh the seven years war uh, a game that uh they made solo um and then grand tactician is like their big follow-up working with the team and there's this um interview at uh wargamer uh in which this like this opening quote i think like says a lot about like what you're gesturing at in terms of like where it sits with other games so the the interview asks what single feature of grand tactician would you regard as the most critical to being a successful however you might define that term game and oliver responds the mix of game death historical accuracy and smooth gameplay let me compare two well-known representatives to historical strategy games we have seen so far Total War series with great graphics and user-friendly UI, but lacking historical accuracy and hardly any game death. Woo, just sending out cruise missiles like at uh, Total War. Well, wow. Scourge of War has great complexity and accuracy, but heavy UI and some players have found it a bit boring. Our aim is to be somewhere in the middle while not losing the important elements of both sides. I understand being, quote, successful, not in commercial terms, but making a, quote, cool game for our target group. We would, If we want to be commercially successful, we would have to drop a lot of our ideas and focus more on visuals, but I think that's like an interesting way of understanding like w- how they're slicing out like, you know, a, a game like total war. I'm not familiar with scourge of war, but um, where that slots in based on the way you were describing it. Scourge of war is like a sort of one of the uh, descendants of Sid Meier's Gettysburg. They also introduced an order delay system. Uh, it's mm. spun off a series called take command. Uh, and those games were great. I actually think the Take Command games were kind of better made than Scourge of War. Uh, the last time I played Scourge of War, I was surprised how 
bad the AI was in places, which is kind of the issue with Grand Tactician, by the way. Uh, so having said all this, I am not sure the AI can consistently play this game. Uh, and which makes sense. Like it's the, the problems are of such scale. Like it is like really thorny pathfinding issues that the name of the game is like pathfinding in a lot of ways. Uh, and then like maneuvering units, uh, in this kind of environment where like, where is the front? What is, how should you orient yourself? All this stuff is tricky. There've been a number of battles where the AI just seems like it's kind of just stopped and like formed up a line and just kind of stands there and you you sort of steamroll them um mm. now i've seen battles that go the other way where like the ai sees a key position and just like punches through like a battering ram where like uh you know i have a pretty decent uh defensive position set up but maybe not enough people and they just come through they hit me with everything and i can't react fast enough so it's not consistent but like when the ai face plants uh it face plants pretty hard and that's like undeniably disappointing uh i almost feel i was i was talking to roan about this i almost feel like you need to house rule it so that you let your AI commanders do a bit more uh, so that you're playing with the same handicap basically as the AI, mm. which is that like, I am also giving orders through that same AI system and seeing what happens. Uh, so there's, there's that. And that that's probably the big, the big issue um, on the strategic campaign. It's cool that like, it's neat that you can like run the whole war industry and such, but I feel like there's not necessarily a ton of interesting things for the union to do like there's an entire naval interface but the union is like the north had the navy in the civil war like you're not like unless you really botch things you don't really need like why am i spending time running a blockade because really it's kind of automatic that the confederacy is going to be strangled by a blockade um likewise it's it's pretty easy to get that war industry uh cranked up to 11 uh and, and just start out producing so there's like little issues like that where where there's some stuff in this game that's like it's neat that it's there it's neat that it's represented uh but it also it, it feels so asymmetrical that they haven't it seems like like Rowan sort of the notion that a lot of strategic levels of war games are more interesting to play from the Confederate side because they have more constraints. I think the issue making the Union interesting is that their constraints are different and they they operate along different axes uh, mm -hmm. than than the Confederates did. Like the Union, the story is like how do we take all these resources and effectively deploy them? But in a strategic level civil war game, it's kind of solved because the player is in charge. The player is going to effectively deploy them. The player knows how this war was won. Uh, and, and so there's not a lot here that I see that forces you down some of the same uh, dead ends that, that the Union actually went through. Um, Rowan also noted that there appears to be one, one strategic level scenario where the Union AI uh, just doesn't turn on. Um, like, never moves. Uh, so, like, again just weird stuff where it's like, yeah, there's a scenario where they, where it's possible. The AI just doesn't initialize. <laughs> uh, and so you just start playing it on the other hand, like in my, so in, in my like campaign as the civil war, I've been doing decently with the battles, but uh, the Confederates went for the jugular 
in a way that was like really shocking uh where i'm like okay like slowly building up my forces gonna get ready to fight the confederacy and like i keep getting news bulletins where the confederacy is like uh yeah they've instituted a two-year draft period uh and so they're mobilizing their entire like manpower and i'm like I'm basically like recruiting county fairs, trying to like pick up like a dozen Midwestern farm boys at a time. Be like, hey, son, you do you like liberty and, and the union? And like so early in this scenario, when I'm like trying to assemble these armies, I'm like, OK, yeah, this isn't like, you know, it's good, like the war spinning up. And then suddenly like. The Confederacy just erupted into Ohio and Pennsylvania and basically cut the union in half. And I was like, this isn't supposed to happen. <laughs> they were just they were just everywhere. And the, the really wild thing was they were using their rail network so that they had this one like death ball army that I could not fucking get around because wherever I went, I would see those fuckers roll up on a train and just demolish me. So I'd be like, great. Oh, thank God. They're fighting outside Cleveland. I can make a run on uh, Richmond. No, they finished like curb stomping mcclellan at cleveland and then hopped on a train and like commuted back to the northern virginia battlefields and then absolutely like shattered mcdowell uh at culpepper courthouse and i was like well one i'm very owned but two it's awesome the ai did that where it's like i'm going to use like this rail network advantage to basically close the distance between these two points uh and they they invented a fast travel system. Yeah. And it's like, so it's like, this is the thing. Like, there's parts of this game that are so rough and, like, kind of unfinished. But also, these are some of the best bones I've ever seen. And, like, it's just kind of, um, like, it is, there's always this, like, wouldn't it be cool if thing that's very easy to do? Like, what if they mm -hmm. made a game that was a combo of this, this, and this? And it's almost always a bad idea because it'd be unworkable. This is kind of unworkable. But also, fundamentally, it appears like they got good ideas. Let's take a big swings. Like with the, yeah. the Steam review. Currently, this is not recommended, but currently the game has enormous potential, but the number of bugs can halt an entire campaign. Sometimes when joining battles, the most crucial part isn't there. For example, the play button. <laughs> the game would be one of my favorite <laughs> Civil War strategy games if the bugs could be fixed. I hope more fixes come to, fi to fix these obvious game-breaking problems. I mean, it seems like a kind of the kind of game where if you've played a lot of these, like go in eyes wide open, that like is going to be pretty rickety. But if you're been looking for a way back into these scenarios that is interesting, as opposed to like yeah. what we did and going back to Gettysburg, uh, it sounds like at least it's got, it's got something for you to chew on. Um, yeah, totally. And I, and I would say like, in terms of complexity, I think the bugs make it trickier because when a game is a little bit screwed up, it's hard to know if you're playing it right. Yeah, or if stuff is just like kind of not working. But in terms of complexity, I would say this is a like it's easier to suss out than a paradox game. Uh it's 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 a simpler game than that. It's not too much more it's less complicated tactically uh in terms of how to fight these units than a total war game, like to be quite honest, uh because you know, it's it's rifles and cannons. That's basically the game. And the real trick is, is how you command these huge armies. Uh, so like, I think it's the, the main thing is not the complexity is just your, your willingness to be patient with what they're, what they're doing here. Um, mm -hmm. But if any of this sounds good or 
you've been looking for a game that sort of bridges that gap. Like, oh, what if I made a total war game that actually like sort of was scale appropriate? Um, it's kind of here. It's it's not totally buttoned up, but it's here. You can play it, and it's even in this form, it's kind of amazing. Very cool. This sounds excellent. Yeah, I wish. God, I wish that this level of attention and design was applied to any other thematic framing. I would. I would fuck with. I would fuck with something like this so quickly. Uh, if it was not oriented specifically around the civil war conflict, which I have very limited interest in, uh, it's it's God, this sounds sick. The 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 pilot, sorry, not the pilot. Jesus, I've I've into the breach brain. The uh, the feuding commanders is is so good. The time it takes orders to traverse on the battlefield, an inspired. It's it's all good. It's all good. Ugh. Oh, like, oh, I like, sorry. Quick thing. Also, don't forget, this happened to me, and it's amazing, but it's the kind of nightmare thing that happens with an order delay system. So I see an enemy, like, I don't know where the enemy army is. One of my biggest detachments, I see enemy units ahead of it, and I'm like, okay, uh, go get them. Go crush them, and I give an attack order. And it turns out I'm only attacking part of their army the main force is somewhere else and the the main battle starts appearing so while this general is starting to begin his attack my couriers arrive to be like you need to get back here come back to hq we found the main enemy army stop this attack you need to come back here and you just watch excruciatingly as like the entire machine sort of grinds to a halt and he attempts now to be like well we're already engaged i guess i'll try to disengage and start mm-hmm. marching back, but it's kind of hard because we're getting shot at now. And like he ends up getting his ass kicked because he like he should have won the fight if I just not told him anything. He would have won. He would have crushed this detachment, and then maybe he could have come and saved the day. But by basically panicking and like trying to give him a new command while he was executing the previous one, things got completely crossed up and he ended up getting like demolished by a much smaller force. And that's, that's another cool wild thing about the, the order delay system is a big part of this is like, I may not have given the right orders, but now I just need to let them play out. Right. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, grand tactician, the civil war, uh, that is, that is available on steam. Um, there's there's definitely a bit of buyer beware, but I am I'm I'm quite smitten at this point. Uh, I am very thirsty, so let's let's take a break uh, and come back with the rest of the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
And we're back. Uh, Patrick, so yeah. you've not just been playing games. You've been writing about them uh, a, a little while ago. We got some good emails about it, but but you were sort of obsessed with Neon White's, not game balance, but like how good does Neon White expect people to actually be uh, at the yeah, game? Yeah, like, yeah, well, and I was um, taken by the notion of, so Neon White, you know, first person sort of platformer uh, kind of card based game that we've talked to uh, quite a bit about over the, the past uh, month or so, uh, you know, has it's a game about optimization, playing levels over and over again, um, in which the game actually gates you at certain stages where it's like, hey, in order to get to the next set of missions, you need to actually complete enough levels at the gold medal time. Um, and that's like essentially like as it, it's, it wants to make sure you understand, like, are you are you understanding enough of this game before you we take you to the next part where we're going to introduce even more complicated and layered mechanics? Uh, and so you can get a, you know, a silver, gold and an ace medal. And there's like a secret developer medal um, that you're not aware of the time. Uh, and I just wanted to know, like, how did developers arrive at these times? And, you know, someone wrote in telling us how they did it. And then I am fortunately in the position where I can go. I'm just going to email the developers and ask. Uh, how they did it. And so, uh, you know, I mean, Neon White's made by the team, but its main designer, Ben Esposito, uh, was kind enough to uh, respond back with an explanation of how they arrived at this in Neon White. And I think it's, I think it's really interesting. Um, so let's see. Da, da, da. Like, so for one, for one, uh, the game has these things, these little spinning uh, icons. Uh, I have a clip here. I can, uh, paste in here. Oh, can I link to this clip? Copy video URL. Yes. Just for, for Rob's context, he can, he can see what this looks like, but the basically once you've beaten the level, uh, on gold, there is a little spinny icon that it'll appear. It won't be obvious necessarily, but you'll, if you're looking, you'll find it. Uh, and it kind of shows you, Hey, here's the main shortcut for this area. Uh, and this will allow you to cut down anywhere from a couple of seconds to like in some levels, like 10 or 15 seconds to, to get to a time that seems unattainable. Um, and the, in, in the interview, Esposito uh, explains uh, that uh, quote, uh, so placing the hints actually caused a crisis. Hints were added late in development. And most level layouts were locked. We found that there were a bunch of levels that had places to optimize your time, but didn't have a meaningful shortcut. It was important for our ace metal times that each level had at least one shortcut that saved a significant amount of time. Even if you didn't execute it perfectly, in the last few months of development, we cracked open a bunch of levels and added more meaningful shortcuts, which I think is like an interesting way of pointing out that sometimes level designs just had natural shortcuts that they just canonized as, ah, this is the shortcut we're going to tell players. And then other times it was like, actually, there's not. And we need to modify the geometry to fit it. Um, and then when it came to these metal times, um, Esposito uh, told me, uh, quote, we struggled to generate fair metal times throughout development. There is such a wide range of player skill that it's easy to lean too far in either direction. There's probably a great data-driven way to solve this problem, but we aren't that smart, so we came up with some practical solutions that work pretty well. Um, and so to that point, uh, the silver medals are complete the intended path with no optimizations and some mistakes. Gold is complete the intended path with no optimizations and no mistakes. And ace is complete the level using the design shortcut with no optimizations and no mistakes. Um, so that is a good rule of thumb, but what is the actual like times? Like that doesn't sort of answer 
my like real practical question. And so, uh, the, uh, another designer, uh, Russell, do, 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 here. Oh, wrong tab. Um, Russell honor, who is another game designer, uh, on, uh, the game, uh, basically hacked the ghost system. So when you play the game with playing levels over and over again, you can see yourself run. So you can kind of get a sense of, of like what's happening in the stage. So, uh, Esposito told me, uh, Russell hacked the ghost system recorder runs the levels, then would manually introduce small errors throughout the run to simulate hesitations encountered some of the simultaneous actions that we would typically do. It ended up generating estimated times that were surprisingly close to real world player time. So basically they had to like manually, they would do their runs and then (laughs) hack their run to introduce mistakes that seemed like things that they thought players would do. And then kind of just hoped that turned into real world player times. And as, as it turns out, like it, it mostly did. And a small note, um, and all on here is that, uh, on the, uh, switch version, uh, so the developer times, which they ended up rather than throwing out completely, just decided to bring in at the last second as a secret achievement for players. Um, they ran, there's a developer times that are on keyboard and mouse. And then there are developer times that are on, uh, like the Switch's handheld mode. So the Switch has different developer times than the PC version, um, just because like you're just going to be constrained physically by using the controller and not be as precise and as quick, which uh, I pointed out to Ren after I discovered this fact. I was like, well, this makes me feel slightly better about my times because I'm mostly playing on a, I'm, I'm only playing on a Steam Deck. And so like, the reason I'm not hitting any developer times is because, well... It's just assuming I'm using a much more precise instrument in order to accomplish it. But uh, yeah, I thought there was an interesting way uh, uh, to, to, you know, to understand the thought process of the developers of how they arrived at it in, in Neon White. Yeah, I loved the detail about the hacking the ghost mode uh, and just trying to introduce like, yeah, so like th- this is the good run. But like, what if you were someone just sort of like feeling their way through it rather than sort of having it refined uh, the yeah, like having to sort of generate the little mistakes and screw ups that like people just make. It is a it is such a clever solution, clever and I'm sure n- awful to implement. Oh yeah, it doesn't sound g- like good. I mean, it's like 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 anything else in game development. It is you know on the one hand you can go and they even you know as people even allude to this like there's probably a really clever you know run a spreadsheet figure it out we didn't do that we just like hacked a system and then made the character jump a little weird uh which is like that explanation is how you know i feel like every week there's a different twitter thread that's explaining like one weird thing you didn't understand about how weird it is to make video games and like this is just a another example in a long line of those Mm -hmm. god i get sick it's good. You know why it's a good game? I am now, uh, the game's much longer than I anticipated. Now, granted, playing on the, on the Steam Deck is, I think it's, it's, it's lengthening that process, but, um, it's still really good. I've been like encouraged, you know, I told, I left Ren far behind and that's okay. I found a new person to be, to be my guiding light. Um, occasionally it's just stomping Chris Plants 
uh, scores into the mud, um, wondering what one sometimes, oh, you got the ace medal here, but decided gold was fine here. Like now I'm like getting upset at different players on my leaderboard where it's like, I'm the, I'm the only one getting ace medals now. Like, really? Like all of you just gate, all of you just gave up. Um, but I continue to pick away at that game and it's, it continues to be, uh, they do a lot of really surprising and inventive things with the platforming as you get, as you get later. That rolls. Uh, you also mentioned uh, you've been sort of you, you've been keeping up on Stray a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I'm like th- I think three fours through mm-hmm. the game. I mean, Ren could probably tell me I'm like I collected. I hit the stealth section. Uh, I think where I'm I went into a factory to get a battery. Yeah. Um, I did not have as much. I mean, look, you may be very good at neon white, but I'm very good at navigating. Stealth cones. Um, still in one go. Wait, no wait, wait, wait. No. Is there a different one? Is there going to be a worse how one? Far, a different stealth section? How far are you into that whole thing? I collected a battery and then went in a bucket and I left. No, that is not the section. Okay, good. Oh, okay, all right. That is will, not will, the section will, that made me want to unhinge my jaw like a snake. Um, But, uh, so I don't really have any... Th- I'll save, like, concluding Thousand Stray when I finish it this week, but I did just want to note that uh, like that game has escaped the containment field. Like I know games are like pretty slow, right? Like it kind of excruciatingly slow, depending on like what genres and types of games you like to play. Um, but Stray twice now has come up with even people. There's a uh, a good friend of ours is like ready to burst with a baby and is just like at that that last stretch that last month of being pregnant. Well, I can't personally speak to it physically i've observed it multiple times up close and it seems like it sucks ass and you're just looking for anything to distract you and she had mentioned to her partner like had sent her a text and uh, or sent him a text and was like hey can you download that stray game on xbox and like she just didn't understand reasonably so they're like why aren't most games are on everything and this one isn't it's only on playstation and pc and so i i told uh, her that like, Hey, I'm going to finish it in the next day or so I'll make it a priority. And then I will drop my PS five over so you can play the cat game. But, like this is like someone that like barely plays games. And then like my neighbors are like, I saw the cat game on the internet. Like, is that game any good? <laughs> um, cause like these vi- videos of cats interacting with the game have like just gone Brilliant. super viral. And it's just, I, I don't know. Like I don't have any grand insights other than to just observe how interesting it is that this game is not just popular and not just like a game for a moment, but like is now culturally reaching like well beyond like the kinds of things that we expect your red dead redemptions to reach to. Like it is like reaching out to just such a broad audience, um, which is probably in some, uh, you know, just a happy accident, right? Like I spoke with someone like close to that game and I was like, huh? And they were like, huh (laughs) you know what i mean so it's like not not a grand strategy that you know well the four quadrant marketing tells us that if we just put a cat in the game we will have one of the biggest games of the year right Um, i think it's like i think it's the top rated steam on game in 2022 which is fucking wild um but it is just yeah stray is like just enormous and uh, in a way that I, I, i i continue to be fascinated by i don't know what the lessons of that are but it is it is interesting nonetheless playing the steam charts right now because i'm curious because i've been i've been kind of watching it uh it's steam it's steam like the the review count is always a really good 
there's like actually you can mathematically figure like gesture at sales. And I, I don't know what that go read Simon Carlos's excellent games newsletter if you want to know how that would be. But like that game had last I checked a couple of days ago it was like 22,000 Steam reviews. I mean, that's the kind of shit that you see on a cyberpunk, not on not on the cute, the cute cat game. Yeah, I mean, like on a per day basis, we are looking at like and, you know, Steam charts, take it as you will, like cumulative amounts of like, let's see. Uh, three hundred sixteen thousand uh, hours played so far today. Seven hundred thousand at like it is. It is a, it is doing something culturally that I think is. Um, I'm not particularly surprised by it. Like it makes sense. The thing that Stray is doing right now to me makes sense. But I understand. Like, I think that it's cool that this specific kind of video game is managing to make people care about it. And I hope very deeply that while it isn't a huge deal for like people who pay attention to the medium pretty extensively it is probably a huge deal for a bunch of people whose conception of video games is radically different from anyone else on this call uh and i hope that if stray does anything and has any lasting effect it is that it gives a bunch of people a new idea of what video games are and can be and whether or not they are a thing that that person should engage with. That is my hope. And then watch them be <laughs> wildly disappointed when they just check out the popular charts and everything else is all the things they think video games <laughs> already are. Right. I mean, part, part of it's like a surf, like Stray is in some ways really interesting because it's a, uh, like, you know, all, you know, like if you play lots of independent and experimental games, you, you've engaged with lots of different ways of like games representing what it can be to interact with with it um and it's you know stray is not you know an experimental like no. itch game but it's like for the average person it might as well be right on the spectrum of what you conceive of a video game to be and like right. what your general interactions with it are going to be um and so yeah like my hope would be that like it at least suggests to the folks who you know sign off on the budgets of these things like financing these things like hey um, I don't know that it's just like go, you know, green light the, the other animal game. Although I think like That's there is probably <laughs> something to be learned about the fact that you are playing an animal. Um, uh, but that different modes, like ultimately Stray is like a pretty, I don't want to use banal, but like it's just an it's, adventure game. It's yeah. Like it's not, it's not reinventing anything. It's just a really good looking like novel way to interact. And that novelty is not uh, just surface level, but to some degree, it does present the idea that like, ah, like different ways in different protagonists uh, are going to attract people in different ways. Um, and so I, I would just hope maybe it broadens not only to, to your point, Ren, of like folks that otherwise think of video games as being, you know, your your Ubisofts, your, you know, your Call of Duties, your Maddens. Um but also for the, you know, uh, in terms of the games that we promote and elevate and green light that like, hey, actually, like there's there's more that can be done here. Uh, but again, again, I think that the, it's the difficulty is like, what is the actual the lesson here um, uh, in terms of like, what, what OK, here's 10 million dollars. What are we green lighting? I don't know. Um, uh, but uh, it's really encouraging. Like, I, it's like not what I, I was not expecting it. And I think it's I think it is delightful that Stray is having the moment that it is. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it is very it's always good for me to see a weird little tone piece get 
attention. Like I have, I have plenty of problems with Stray, and there are plenty of very fair problems to have with Stray. Um, it's depiction, it like it's like the way it is engaging with like the iconography and like aesthetics of like the Kowloonwald city is like really messy. There's there's people who have a lot of complicated feelings about its like approach of or- to Orientalism, but in spite of all of that, right? It is good when, for me when a weird tone piece makes people feel things because suddenly people realize that weird tone pieces can make them feel things. And that is a dub overall in terms of like any artistic medium for me. But you know, video games can do other things too, Patrick. They can? Oh, like what? Please. Well, I guess you're going to be educating me this week and be educating each other because you put on our docket Uh Power Wash Simulator. Yeah. I uh hmm. what's to simulate? Have you ever power? Is that am I the only I have one a who's real, power washed? No, I, I power washed. <laughs> what is that? Okay, elaborate. Okay, so okay, uh, I I think this is classic. Like, so we we repainted the siding. We we touched up and repainted the siding when I was growing up. Okay, and. My dad talked a good game about how this power washer was going to make this task easy, getting the old paint loose, and and you know it would just like blast the paint off the house, etc. But we had to be careful because like if we just power wash too hard, we might scar the wood siding. And I feel like uh, learned that lesson did, on my deck the first time that I did it. <laughs> yeah, he was a coward with it, and I was like, "Dad, it's not coming off." And he, he was like, well, we don't want to go any harder because it might damage the wood. Uh, let me tell you, we damaged the wood later. Us scraping it uh, for weeks, <laughs> uh, basically now dealing with like it was it was a nightmare. But so for me, my experience of power washing was. It could do two things. It could make your driveway sparkle like new. Mm-hmm. Now, did your driveway need to sparkle? No. Was it actually kind of hard to look at once we power washed our driveway? <laughs> yeah, I kind of missed the gray dinginess. It was a nice, nice matte. And dad was like, no, we got a clean sidewalk and a, and a, the rental on the power wash is still good for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> so we gotta, we gotta clean up this driveway. Um, and so he did clean up the driveway. Uh, also maybe over power wash the creases, the cracks between the slabs. Uh, mm-hmm. that made up the driveway, so suddenly it was like he'd open like portals to hell. Uh, by power washing, like I think you you can buy stuff to fill that. I think, uh, um, but yeah, I need I need somewhere in the middle where like the creases in between, uh, and our driveway have just become little gardens that like yeah. every two days I'm I'm picking weeds out of. So I was like, well, I need to get rid of this, but I I thought about using the power wash, but also like I don't know how far those go. Like go, what am it I It goes down surprisingly far and <laughs> once you like go all the way under, it's like things can start to shift in ways you don't like. Oh uh, no. <laughs> but then the but then the other but then the other aspect of it was like I was promised that it would strip the old peeling paint off our house. Mm-hmm. And it didn't do that at all. And if anything, it sort of seemed like it impacted the paint into the wood like <laughs> particle so that it became harder to extract. Oh, but either it was, way, it so was supposed to use some sort of like prep it with something. Oh, yeah, I think but, this, like this is this is ultimate like one of the like one of the reasons I think I ended up not being a particularly handy person is with the exception of like doing a bunch of construction with my uncle. Um whenever it was like little handy projects around the house, it was just a comedy of errors of like we're just not we're like we're being too 
I think it's really common when you're using a tool the first time, you're just way too ginger with it. Like the mm-hmm. instructions are just like, if this starts to happen, don't do it. Uh, you need to watch out for this. And really the, the tolerances around that are much higher. And, uh, but either way, like I was uh, like, I, uh, I, I have a bit of pent up hostility toward power washers because I was promised that it would make a job easy. And then I spent an entire July <laughs> with a scraper. <laughs> Uh, oh like undoing that Hell. that disaster. Hell, what a nightmare. So Pain yeah, uh, Power Wash Simulator. Um, a game that's been early access for the better part of a year, just at 1.0. Um, and it has online co-op. You and I, I guess, I don't know when this Kato is he coming back. We're not sure. We have a, a wonderful person who is all who is producing the podcast for us this week. I don't know exactly when they'll be done and when they'll go up. And so I, I can't guarantee necessarily that you'll listen to this before we're, we're streaming, but I did, I wanted to do some co-op power washing uh, with you, Rob. Uh, maybe I didn't realize like that you had a, a history, like a little trauma that we need to, to work through. I, I think we might be able to do it. I think the soothing nature of power wash simulator could be soothing for Rob Zachney's soul uh, as well. Uh, it is a game where at least in what I have played so far, which admittedly is very little because I mostly wanted to discover it with you. I just was like, yeah. I need to get into the interface and like understand how this works so that we can do the stream properly. Uh, but it is like what it advertises. It is like you, you know, much like you will go from, a chain gun to a BFG 9000 uh, by uh, scrolling through your mouse wheel, you are going to flick between the different uh, like angled uh, sort of like nozzles. Um, and that is profoundly satisfying to like, hey, look at this. So you start out the first mission, uh, so to speak, is uh, is like a van. And it's like, all right. I'm going to start with the wide spray. I'm going to go from horizontal to vertical. going to hit that R button. I'm going to rotate that. And I'm just going to do a broad sweep. We're going to do like a, fir- like a first pass. And then I'm going to get a little harder. And then I'm going to get down to like just the spray because I got to get into some of those cracks. You hold tab and it brings up a dirt map, like a heat map of the dirt that you have left to do. Um, so when you like start, like in the second area is a backyard. And you hit tab on that and it's just like, the like predator vision, <laughs> like, like, whoom, like, there is dirt everywhere, uh, for you to start, uh, getting at. You can, <laughs> when you hit C, is you can crouch, and yes, you can go prone. You can get all Call of Duty, like, on the ground <laughs> with this spray. Okay. And oh God. I, I have not found sim games in general don't do a lot for me. Uh, sim games about, real world tasks do even less for me um i mean it's not hard to explain like i like like the idea of like not doing the thing that i need to get done in the real world like there is some power washing i should do and so this game on its surface should be like annoying to me because it's just a room i understand people like doing the thing in the video game that they should be doing in real life uh and it's just more pleasing to do it in the game uh, I tend to find that like annoying or at least like it gets under my skin. Uh, but dude, this is good. I already most I've done most of the power washing I need to do this season. The rest is just sort of like cleanup that kind of annoys me when I go outside. So instead, this is just sort of like a nice way to 
I don't have other things that I need to power wash. Like I don't have a car to power wash. I don't, should I power wash my car? That seems like it might hurt it. But in this game, I don't have to worry about, there's no damage model, at least not that I can see yet. Um, because what you're talking about is that tension in power washing of like, look, <laughs> you could really fuck some shit up with this if you have it at a, depends on if you have an electric or gas, like what, you know, rate that the thing can spit out at, but like you could you can hurt yourself with a power wash. And, uh, that does not appear to be the, this is just, is dirt? There's no dirt. Would you like to go through that process and watch the dirt go away? And it turns out, like, it seems, I don't know how much I would do this in my spare time, but boy, it seems like a really fun thing to do with, like, a friend as a as a time waster uh, and, like, a way to catch up. So, uh, we are going to do that at least once, but hopefully a couple of times uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's on Game Pass. I think it has platform agnostic co-op, um, so you can play it on PC, play it on Xbox, um, and and it seems like there's also challenges, so if you want to, you know, if you don't want just, like, the mode I'm in is just, hey, take the time you need. Oh, the little spots, like, it divides it up. They ding as you, like, hey, you did it. Like, you're good. Um, and right before we got on this call, I was furious because I was, there's a shed that I was cleaning up. And you won't, you won't always be sure what the component parts are that it's judging. And I was, I, it seems so clear to me that like the side of this wall should be one concrete, uh, ding. And like, I could not get the ding to ding. And I'm just like, I know, I'm like watching the, the, the time in the corner. Like, okay, it's, it's 10 01 my time. I was like, well, Rob hasn't sent, he hasn't started the call yet. So I'm just going to sit here and like hope that the ding <laughs> arrives and it didn't. And it's still low key bugging me because it may be the case that maybe i have to get all four sides they all ding simultaneously yeah. i don't know um but i do intend to find but out But you want to be told you did a good job on that one i do want to be told yeah that's like that doesn't happen in real life in real life you sort of just accept i just really don't want to get the rest of that dirt out of the corner that nobody's gonna see i don't get the ding uh the ding is your own personal satisfaction or <laughs> your dad forcing you to do it for the entire month of humid July in God Indiana, which sounds no, like I just, I just had like, like my dad trying to be like, now don't you feel good looking at those gutters? <laughs> I'd be like, no, no, I don't. I don't. I yeah, clean my own gutters. and No, I don't feel great at the end of taking out a bajillion tiny leaves. Uh, it oh, sucks. Yeah. Look, yeah, they're, they're really white now as opposed to slightly dingier white that they were 12 hours of my life ago. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. The mo- oh, the most chaotic moment I had with uh, the power wash the first time I used it. I will say, like, our deck, it was clear it had never been cleaned or it had been, a, like, a, like ye- years since it had been touched. And I just assumed, oh, this is just sort of the color of it. Yeah. And then before my uh, daughter's, like, first birthday, uh, the first year we had the house, I was like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to rent one from Home Depot. Um and I'll just I'll just I'll just clean this before people come over tomorrow. And like the the revelation that came over me of like, oh my God, we just accepted mud and dirt as like the natural color, the state of this wood. And it's like, no, like under layers and layers and layers of muck was like, oh, there's just there's actual wood underneath there. Okay. That looks a lot more pleasant than than it was before. But uh But how do we know that wasn't protective weathering? That's the question. Well, well, then I did last summer we did get it stained and treated 
And then I went out there with the power wash and was like, this doesn't seem to be working. Got a little closer and made a line. It was like, oh, I just stripped that off there. Well, that's unfortunate. That's home ownership for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, when you do those types of chores, uh, sometimes it also helps to have something cool and refreshing. So our first email comes from Waz. Uh, Waz writes, it's your waypoint. What's everyone's go-to summer drink of choice? My current go-to is ice, one-shot amaretto, one-shot horchata, and the rest of the glass with orange juice and stir. It tastes like a creamsicle. Regards, Waz. What's your what's what's everyone's summer beverage? Drinking a creamsicle. I don't know that I want to do that though. Sounds very rich. That's what I mean. It's like one of those like if you gave me a spread. Like, ooh, like, I have a, a little of this, a little of that, but like a whole. But maybe that's a great day capper. You know, like, I don't know if I want to take a break from mowing the lawn and have that. But mm. like, man, it's been hot all day. And like, it's like now it's like, you know, we're hour or two from bedtime. I could see this being a really nice, refreshing, like, ah, that was a that was a slightly boozy dessert. I feel like you have strong thoughts on this, Rob. I feel like you have you, you you have this for each season. Yeah, you're well, a guy here. I feel like you. I feel like you asked a question, and are like, "Well, I get maybe. I guess if other people want to say something, they can." But like, no, really, you 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 were just teeing yourself up. Come on, no, sip I, man. I don't know. So the 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 thing for me is uh, increasingly. Like, I I had this horrible realization the other day, where I have now, I am now aware enough of consequences that I like. It's been really hot here lately. And in this entire weekend, at no point was like, I need to cool off with a nice tiki drink or a gin and tonic because I now realize that, like, that will be momentarily refreshing. But in the end, I will feel less good uh, after after that. I'll probably even feel warmer. Uh, and so the best thing I can do is to continue to drink water, uh, which is very frustrating because yeah. there, 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 there used to be summers where it's like, all right, it's it's like 88 degrees out, 90 uh time to turn on a little uh like personal air conditioning and just get wasted <laughs> and i do that less now i was when i was a kid um i really liked and i still do i really like water i like the taste of i like uh like tons of ice like extremely cold water mm, is cold one drink. of the most so it's like a really this is really like a kind of a boring answer because um, I don't have like a, a a clever mixed drink or something, but since I was like, and it registered as like it, my affinity for water and enjoying the taste, like registered as weird to like my friends. Like it's just water. I was like, yeah, I know yeah, it. It is rules. water. I and so y'all heard um, this shit. To, <laughs> yeah, to this day, you know, one of my favorite things to do is like. If I for, is 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 I come in after like yeah mowing the lawn or something like that and like take a glass of water and then put it sh- sh- just shove in a shitload like I'm putting in so much ice that I need to be conscious of like how much water I'm putting in or else we're gonna we're gonna tip over we're gonna we're gonna escape out of this this glass and then I just sit patiently like a dog like panting because I don't want to drink the water too fast almost like hot pizza where like it comes right out of the oven you're like you should wait five minutes and you don't. And then you burn the top of your mouth. And you're like, well, I shouldn't have done that. And then you do it again. I will sit. I have to sit and I will wait for that ice to like really cool off. that Because it doesn't happen immediately. No. And sometimes sometimes I'll just get too anxious. And like I'll just drink half of the water. I'm like, no, stop. 
And then I'm like, pour the water back in. I was like, wait for that to get really cool and really satisfying. Some sort of like weird water edging thing I'm describing that's making me seem very odd. And now this, maybe this explains why my friends were like, why do you like water so much? You, it's just like a fucking weird kink you have for water. Yeah, man, I was with you for most of this description <laughs> until you got to like pouring it in and out. And then you became a, then Ooh. you became a freak to me, <laughs> like a little bit of a freak to me. Uh, by the way, Patrick, I, I feel like you will identify with this a bit, too. I feel like America, well, we're an impoverished nation in many ways now. But we are deeply impoverished when it comes to large novelty plastic cups that you get from the gas station mm-hmm. uh, as yes. part of like movie promotions or sports yes. promotions. Yeah. Like, I remember... You had your summer beverage holders that were like 64 ounce cups with like, mm-hmm. hey, remember the 85 bears? Here's a cup with all their names on it. Do you have dinosaurs? Well, you have a ton of Jurassic Park. Uh, like, And th- we would, yeah, specifically get, you know, like my mom would order like, fine, I'll get the massive Diet Coke that nobody's going to drink just so we can get the mug and keep it at home. And there'd be a whole row of them until you were tired of whatever brands. Like, well, we've moved on from this and then push it aside. And that's how you end up with them. I've thought about getting some of them on eBay. They, uh, not be the first to have done that, but I've, I've, I've given it some thought. Gotta love a big sip. Especially Mm. if it's branded. Hey, wait, we, we, we got a merch <laughs> store. We need to get on this. Hold on. Hold on. We need to, we need. What's the biggest oh, cup man. you'll give Where's us? Our, yeah. Hey, we need the biggest, like, we're going to be doing some fake power washing. And we're going to build up a big thirst. Uh, Yeah. Where do we have? Where's yeah. our giant novelty plastic? Yeah. Hmm. And, and, you know, you got to have like a collectible set. Like got to have like at least like four. Oh yeah, well, yeah. You've got there's got to yeah. be three of them that you get, and one of them just nobody except that one friend has. Got um, to. Rob. Yeah. I, I would like to apologize for calling you the sip man. Oh, that's you know what. <laughs> I like. I am a little sip man. You are a I'm, little sip. You know what? I'm yeah. Sip man. <laughs> uh, Ren, do you do you have a do you have a summer beverage? Honestly, when I was a kid. It would probably be like a nice gold peak tea. Love a love a good gold peak tea. Just a big old fucking gallon of that. Oh, not in a day, but in a in too short of a time period. Hell yeah. Um, but I think that I don't know. I think I've I've kind of fallen off beverages. Yeah. I used to I used to sip all the time, and now I'm si- as I as I continue to move into my early twenties, I'm sipping less and less. Uh, I think for me this year, this is like if if there is a summer beverage, a drink that has risen in my esp- estimation. Remember a few years ago, I was like, man, I just cannot get enough of like imperial stouts. I love them. Yum, 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 yum. Yeah, I have now entered could. my I have now entered my Kolsch and like German Pilsner uh, like era where I'm like, just give me. Give me like a pale low alcohol german beer and i will be happy uh and that is that is me now uh you know stay away from me with those high abv uh like ipas all those things with all those tastes you put in them no 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 <laughs> double what's double give yeah, me a nice exactly 
so so that's that's where things have gone. Um, I should I should remind you. Uh, by by the way, because we're get, we're getting through the question bucket these days, and you can send us all your questions at gamingadvice.com with the subject line questions. Have you been conditioned to feel like we will never answer your day. questions because we didn't do a lot of questions, so you stop sending them in? A reasonable place to have found yourself but no more no this is the this is the age of the question bucket there uh, are now, there are no video games but we do need questions help us help us fill these podcasts with your questions uh so also people have been reaching out to fill us in about speaking of sipping and like just needing to quench your thirst in the most indulgent way possible uh Alex writes in, Alex Newhouse writes in, hey, Waypoint crew, in response to the recent discussions on the pod about water quality, filtration, and adjustments, I wanted to join in the discourse by letting everyone know that coffee aficionados, while passionate, have nothing on beer homebrewers when it comes to going way too deep into water adjustments. If you really want to get serious about mineral composition in water, beer brewers have it down. Uh, niche and long email alert. So as has been shared, mineral composition matters a lot when it comes to waters and therefore beer's taste. I can't emphasize this enough. In surveys, mineral composition is routinely one of the only isolated variables that drinkers can distinguish between in blind tastes of beer. As a result, different types of beer are associated with different mineral compositions. West Coast IPAs huh. with their crispness have a polar opposite water profile than New England IPAs with a soft and pillowy mouthfeel. I don't like that, all but right, right. historically, mineral composition is wildly important to the development of certain beer styles, too. Pilsners uh, from, from the Czech city Pilsen have a specific water profile, as do Chimay beers from the Trappist Monastery in Chimay, Belgium. Uh, Guinnesses from Dublin, Porters from London, and Sierra Nevadas from Chico, California. These water profiles have been determined, standardized, and shared around brewing communities for decades. The recipes are out there to create exact matches to water from specific regions, and tiny homebrewers like myself have taken this extremely enthusiastically. All you need is some bulk minerals, namely gypsum and calcium chloride to start, and ideally a several hundred dollar reverse osmosis machine. A basic Brita filter won't cut it. Uh, you can also add in so you can also add in some additional chemicals like lactic acid for pH level balancing and sodium uh, metabisulfate to reduce the oxidation of hops. In a pinch, if you're like me and don't have the money for a reverse osmosis machine, you can buy. Hang on, Patrick, can you pull up uh, reverse osmosis? I just need to know what these cost and where I can get one. Uh, uh, yes. If you don't have money for a reverse osmosis machine, geez, the minute I heard this is expensive, I was like, hey, I need to know where what these are. Uh, you can buy distilled water at the grocery store and toss in some pinches of minerals. Regarding Rob's off-the-cuff remark about making water that doesn't exist naturally anywhere, what's funny is that's basically the standard operating procedure for brewing beer these days. Few places outside of extreme traditional brewers like monasteries actually use natural water. To achieve consistency, every big brewery does water adjustments like this. For instance, I live in Golden, Colorado, where the Coors factory is, and ostensibly my tap water is, the same water that is used by Coors. It's great water for brewing lagers, but 
because water composition somewhere like Colorado varies so wildly throughout the year, snow melts and runoff changes, Coors definitely doesn't use water straight out of the creek anymore. Hope that's of some interest. There are so many rabbit holes to go down with beer. Different types of yeast and bacteria, for instance, have entire books and companies designed around their very different flavor profiles. All the best, and thanks for all the podcasts, Alex. So your spread on this is, I don't know, like if you, I think if I was to just guess what they cost, I was like anywhere between 200 to $800. And that's basically what, what you've got. Yeah. Here. Um, at least on this, like this. Very hey, wait, quick. wait, wait, wait. Sorry. They're putting some of these next to taps. Can I just hook these up to my tap? I don't know. Cause that, Maybe. I mean, that seems right. Cause there's an entire weird political, there's a strange domestic politics around the Brita. Uh, tank in my house. Um, what is that? What is that? Yeah, oh. please. Uh, it mm-hmm. means some some of us are makers and some of us are takers. Uh, some of us some mm-hmm. of us refill the 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 Brita tank and make sure there's like plenty of cool filtered water available for everyone. And some of us just drink it uh, like willy nilly and don't think to replenish okay. it. <laughs> All right. All right. You know what? Waypoint Plus uh, subscribers, we're going to have to be a new feature. We're going to have MK on and I'm just going to list things off that Rob <laughs> said on the podcast. And we're just going to we're going to talk through them, you know, get both sides. Uh, by the way, to the same point, uh, Colin wrote in uh, pointing us to this website, Brewersfriend, Brewersfriend.com slash uh, water dash chemistry. And it is a cool little tool. Uh, there's a drop down in it that you can basically like pick the flavor profile of the beer you're trying to recreate. And it will like adjust the calculations telling you what minerals you have to put into your water to like hit this hit this profile. Uh, and that and that's really cool. I didn't realize it was this it, like it, it really was this sort of codified and straightforward where it's like what type of beer are you making? Here's how you create the 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 right water for it. Okay, but these things that I'm linking are people just get are they getting this because like a Brita is not enough for them. Like Brita tastes like shit. I need to I need I have these three tubes for all my water to go through because this one that I the one I the one that is the best seller according to Amazon. Uh, it comes with its own faucet. Um, so I guess it seems like it does what you were suggesting, Rob, in which like it's doing all of this. In in real time, uh, I guess. God, I wish I had uh, fit one of these in my tiny little kitchen. <laughs> but like, no, but like, I missed this discussion. Like, why are people doing this? Oh, we were talking about coffee. Beyond, be, okay, we were talking about right. coffee. So this isn't just for drinking water. This is for like specific tasks. Yeah, it's basically the notion that as you go down rabbit holes like fancy coffee or beer brewing and such, uh, or the fact that like, hey, maybe you just like certain types of mineral water, and you'd love to have that on tap effectively. Uh, there's various solutions for this. Um, is this what my water looks like? Is this what they're saying? My water is that yeah, you're, dirty? Yeah, see, see and, the, and the power washed water is on the right. So the reverse osmosis <laughs> yeah, machine is like a power washer for your water. For your water. <laughs> a power wash. Power wash. No. Yeah, that, that tap water. That's your deck before you cleaned it, Patrick. You're just drinking that mud. I really, I really like our tap water. I don't like the tap water in Wisconsin, that the spot that we go to. So well, that you're in is Door a, County, right? That's, that's 
Uh, I don't know what county it actually falls under, but I don't. It like tastes meaningfully different and like upset, like someone's stomach. One I feel time. like you might be um, on not because it like uh, under like uh, yeah, it's not because it's just, it, it it like tastes like if you were to put them side by side, it's like did you grow up with this water? Then you will have no problem with this because this is the, the flavor profile you oh, were dude, used to. Like, but it tastes it tastes it tastes so meaningfully different. This is the curse, even the curse of being on the like Lake Michigan watershed, where it's like yes, okay, but if you go like forty five minutes inland anywhere, you're not on that water, Mm -hmm. and you're just like this is gross. I hate it. I need to go Mm -hmm. back to. I need Mm -hmm. to go back to Lake Michigan. Yeah, um, so that that so yeah, that's that's just like it's a it's a little rabbit hole uh that that we're that we're contemplating. Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, somebody, we? yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. These back-to-back questions of we. <laughs> I, look, we're all we all have our interests. Uh, this is a way mm-hmm. for you know Kato and Ren to contemplate like raising their coffee game to heretofore uh, unknown levels. Uh, this is a way for me to get that good water uh, that I crave year-round. Um, and if there, and if one of these machines makes it so that I don't have to, okay, the real, okay, the real issue is we got one of the big, okay, so we used to have a regular size Brita pitcher, yeah, for the accident. not enough that doesn't fit a ton doesn't of water. fit a ton of water it does not fit a lot you you end up refilling it so often um, we don't have one because the tap water is fine where we are but like when I have had that experience it's it's you're almost suddenly you've got two two of them in your fridge it's like what are we doing what are we doing here <laughs> yes and so we got a big brita uh like tank okay when it is full it becomes difficult for a person to move <laughs> i can move it very easily uh mk's got like really fucked up shoulder issues and doesn't like moving yeah. it. And the other thing is if you do not keep it topped up, can you get a, ta- can you get a tap on it? Isn't this a solution to this? I mean, because then you could move it and then she could just, well, yeah, that, that's, that's where we're at. The fridge. Yes. But the thing is, Oh, so you're but moving she, towards but also, this but also MK entered a big, uh, a big thermos lifestyle. That has changed oh, the one consumption of those? pattern I, of our house. A big thermos lifestyle. I, I feel like that is. I have a friend, a friend that just did that, um, and I was like, "What do you have?" Like, this is what I put my water in. I was like, "You just, you know, like when you go to an office and they have like a big thing of water, and it's like you're just carrying around one of those, this slightly smaller. Like, this is what I drink. I, I just have they they pour it and they finish that by the end of the day, and that is their." Uh, that is their water, but they're big. I mean, that is a lifestyle yeah. change. Yeah, and so it's like that's that must be emptying the entire yes, and then some. Yes, <laughs> and so it's like I have gotten I, to the I root hear, of this issue, with I Rob. Hear, I've uncovered I hear it. Like pat, 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 and then I hear the refrigerator <laughs> door open, and I hear glug, 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 and I lose track of what's happening, and then like thirty minutes later, I'm like, I too would like to hydrate, and I open it. And the thing that was full this morning is just empty. It's just dregs. It's dregs. Got to tilt. You got to tilt it now to get to get it to go into the spigot, so you can so you can actually make it pour. But the other thing, this dovetails with the fridge issue. Mm-hmm. Fridge issue. Because 
Oh, because it's taking so long for it to get cold. And it is warming the ambient temperature in the fridge, especially during summer heat waves. <laughs> so, like, why is all our food getting fucked up? It's because we're wow. not oh, keeping wow. mm, okay. we're not keeping the Brita filter filtered water the tank an appropriate level where like the new warm water coming in off the tap is like immediately being. Could like, you put some? Would ice help? You load that thing up with ice when you put in the water. I mean, yeah, I probably would. Not a bad idea. Could solve a lot of problems actually. <laughs> but I like being upset about it. I have to let that go. Oh my god. Incredible! You just wave well, at your just, partner. Meanwhile, you wave your partner MK as your MK just walked by with a new PS5. Uh, oh. So that's just. Uh, I was. We, um, I was. We at, didn't uh, figure out our custody sharing arrangement for the PS5. So she's got another one. Yeah. Uh, related. I was uh, had an experience this weekend where uh, my daughter got a Target gift card, and so she wanted to go get something, and so we were going through the excruciating process of. Here's how much you have. Um, here's how much on the gift card. And I was like, if you spend the whole gift card, they take the gift card. You know, it's like it's done. They don't you don't need it anymore. And she was distraught at this notion. Was, but I like she because he likes the concept of like it's a car. I get it. I, f- I fully understand. And so you're a credit card. You should, she'll uh, never well, get rid of that. Well, well I, uh, I was basically like having to like run like calculate the tax on things because it's like it was a ten dollar gift card. And I was like, you can't get something. I know nine ninety nine seems like it's not ten dollars, but it is. I can't explain the tax system to you, just but like anyway. So as we're doing this, it's an excruciating long process, um, and they so two guys at the Target wheel like fifteen PS fives next to me, and like I I cracked a joke. I was like, "Wow, you don't really." To the guy, I was like, "You don't really see stuff like that," and they don't. If you haven't like been into a store in a game section, they don't stock them. Like, because it's a security risk. Um, And so they don't... You can get an Xbox uh, Series S. That's the one thing that you'll get in there. And a Switch is... Things have slowed down. But the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, they do not put them out because they're afraid uh, people are going to grab them and steal them. But... um, And I I just... All I did was just crack a very light... I was like, I already have a PS5. But like, you know, ha, you don't see those every day. You're headed to eBay. And like, Amelia gives me like a, a weird look... And like radio security was like, yeah, we probably shouldn't be just wheeling these PS5s like willy nilly out here in front of people. And I was like, I don't know. I was like, okay, sorry. <laughs> now, granted, they've probably had bad experiences. Like that is probably not just I just sort of triggered. Like, oh, yep, there are weirdos that are gonna, you know, because I could, you know, you, and you look it. like one. Of course, of course. Yeah, I'm here here haggling with a five year old over, you know. Yes, we can. You can get this one. She's obsessed with mini brands. I'm not going to get into it. Anyway, yes, I I think I triggered a security alert at the Target over the PS5s. Nice. Uh write in you? if you write in with if you are a retail employee and you have experience like if you have any insight into that interaction I had, please, please, please write in with your stories. Uh Alex in Chicago writes in Another jab at Rob's suggestibility. Okay. Hey, gang. Followed in the tr- following in the trend of people emailing in with various niche and expensive products to see what sort of response they may elicit from Rob. I have something to share. I don't read all of these, but the good ones I do. 
Here's here's one of them. I attended an event in Chicago called Can Jam this past weekend. Can Jam, as described on the website, showcases the latest products and innovations in headphones and personal audio electronics in all price ranges. Oh my god! From fifty dollars earbuds to the world's finest headphone audio systems at fifty thousand dollars. This translates to a small expo with some degree of snake oil paired alongside some truly amazing headphone audio systems. Sometimes those things went hand in hand. Which brings me to the R-A-A-L requisite SR1A. Don't know what that fully means, but I'm sure it's awesome. But anyway, here's here's the link. Just want to point out, Rob, February 25th, 26th, 2023. Can Jam. Coming to New All York. right. Waypoint goes to Can Jam. Yep. How, oh, the Waypoint gets high tag, and goes to Can Jam. <laughs> the price tag on this has to be. So. Oh, wait. Can okay. we get. Do we. Uh, can we guess? I. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen. I don't remember the price yet. Uh, I'm going to guess these are $5,000 phones. But I'm here's. Looking at these headphones, these are. I'm going to guess $4,500. I'm going to go. Oh, so I'll go high. I'll say seventy five hundred. All right. These headphones whose design seems fit for a fucked up Sith use ribbon drivers, <laughs> much like Rob's carvers. The drivers themselves are even implemented such that you can easily replace them. The gentleman at their booth told me the idea was to design a premium studio headphone that could be repaired within 20 seconds if the drivers were to blow during recording sessions. As such, the ribbons are basically cartridges you load the headphones with. No sending them cross-country for repairs. He demonstrated by uh, removing and replacing a cartridge in front of me. That's cool. Uh, and this is, to give you an idea of what we're talking about here, this is the replacement part, which is actually pretty brilliant. Um, what a neat concept. The issue with the Carvers is that it's a huge uh, ribbon speaker, so the, the, the thing of ribbon is enormous. Uh, it's much easier to get, like, small ribbon drivers like this mm. uh, and... Like I think even Carver went to that model when he uh, was when he was last designing speakers. Uh, but how you may wonder, do they sound? At the demo station, they're paired with RAAL's VM1 variable mode vacuum tube headphone amplifier. What's this look like? Uh, oh oh yeah, God. this looks good. I don't even know what this stuff does, but it looks neat, and that means good music. Look at this. Look at it. Uh, They're playing an eccentric selection of flack audio files, and I must admit, it was perhaps the finest audio experience I've ever had in my life. $6,500. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> would, I bu- would, I, would I buy these right now? No. Would I buy them if money were no concern? Absolutely. Every song I played, it sounded like I was in the middle of the room while it was being recorded. I've never heard anything more clear in my life, even after sampling numerous other combinations of headphones at the jam. So what do you say, Rob? Would you like to strap some Carver level audio to your head? The headphone plus amp combination was only 10 grand pre-tax. Yeah, it's expensive and you'd be hard pressed to wear them outside the home without looking like Darth Lobot. But it comes with a five year warranty. Hard to beat that. Just imagine listening to the crispest audio you've ever experienced while you slide your leather mouse around living in the lap of luxury. So the 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 headphones themselves, what did they come in at? We didn't look. All right. 
Oh. Oh no. No. We're, we all guessed high. Now. That's I know, but I'm saying that's an oh no for you. Because you just spent all this time. We we built this up as as though oh this could be a ten thousand dollar product. Yeah, so now there's an effect. Now there's a weird psychological uh-huh. effect where I'm like, this is actually a deal. Thirty five hundred. I don't know. Thirty five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. And uh hmm. Hmm. How much does each cartridge cost? Or did we go over that? Did I did I no, miss that? uh let me see. Oh, uh each one costs about like two fifty to I mean, that's if, yeah, if like two fifty a piece. If you worked in audio, and these are as good as they say, that seems like a pretty reasonable. Like headphones are like one of the most important, yeah, objects yeah. in in you know, in the mix. Uh, yeah, and they I look feel cool like yeah, if you are a professional level music producer, I think these are a reasonable investment. Yeah, right. It's it's no more expensive than a you know pro laptop or desktop computer for sure but also i bet this you know i'll bet grand tacticians of war would sound amazing on these oh my god uh podcasts also good (laughs) yeah i'd love to listen to 128 bit rate podcasts on my 3500 headphones uh Last email here. Andrew from Wisconsin uh, writes about the dad energy uh, issue. Mm. I just wanted to comment on the big spike of dad energy during the question bucket segment last episode, specifically regarding uh, DIY seltzer and World of Warships. The, da- the dad wasn't even here. I, the, I Andrew comments it. on this. Okay. While it was pretty self-explanatory, the lore of World War II and naval warship minutia is like catnip to a dad. So the intersection of the two is borderline fatal. Speaking as a dad, I became tempted to sign up during the discussion, despite my lack of time and knowledge of the game's predatory financial framework. The seltzer dad connection might be a little less apparent until you recall what might be the ultimate dad hoppy, homebrewing. The seltzer questioners, uh, the setup sounds remarkably like a kegerator, and the discussions of flavor (laughs) profiles, water quality, and mineral adjuncts sounded remarkably similar to conversations between my beer nerd dad friends. To make this a proper question... With the cast, care to comment on the most dad-like hobbies and interests. P.S. The irony of having such strong dad energy with the only proper dad on the pod absent was not lost on me. <laughs> Had Patrick been there, the character shift of the pod may have become permanent. So maybe it's best he wasn't there. Thank you, Andrew from Wisconsin. That may I didn't realize that in the in my like the vacuum would had then have to be filled with dad-centric questions. Um so what there was like, what is our most dad? Yeah. Does Ren do what is even your answer? I'm Does I'm it, thinking. I know, I know. <laughs> well, wait, Ren, but Ren, you're a tinkerer. I that do, is true. I do. That I do, I build true. a little keyboard. I I, bu- I do build a little keyboard. You're I mean, just being kept in check by your lack of access to a workspace of power tools and equipment. Yes. Right? Oh, one th- one thousand percent. I uh, was it recently? Every single time any problem appears in my apartment, I get very excited that I get the opportunity to fix the problem with some kind of drill or other object. So, like you, you are a home repair and power tools like dad. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. This. 
this is an upset, you know, mm-hmm. okay. All right. So, uh, my garage, I've recently, the, the project like late spring, early summer was project at the garage clean. Um, and I'm not going to get to this next part until I don't know about the fall. It might not be until next year, but I have a habit of, I can't really conceptualize what I would like. If I looked at an empty garage, I was like, I don't know what I want it to look like. Like my brain doesn't work that way. And so I, I need to see like other examples and then I can like kind of pluck it from there. I have no vision on my own. I like work off of the existing work of others. And so when I walk my dog um, and I see like a garage is open, I'm like, hell yeah. Like, let's look at that garage. And I will go on different routes <laughs> with my dog. Be like, maybe there's some, maybe there's some, I feel like I've killed Rob. <laughs> Different rounds with my what dog in order talking? to just <laughs> creeping on people's garage. Yeah. This weirdo with this with this ancient dying chihuahua just rolling past yeah, your house, be like, his n- tongue yeah. firmly in the side of his cheek, like, "Hey, nice garage." Well, Love it. I, Ooh, yeah. Open so, that. Open that double wide. <laughs> you got a cool one. Well, because you'll see, like, you know, these different things you can buy for storage. And it's like, well, okay, it's one thing to see it in, like, the image. Like, I want to see practically what it looks like in someone's someone's space. And so, yes, like, frequently I am, like, craning my my neck around like a like a like a car like trying to look at some hot Into lady but instead homes. i'm trying to see what the storage a unit is a <laughs> so that that might be that might be it for for me and i think this is especially heightened now that i'm gonna have to start making actual calls on like what we do, there's still like, oh, I got to rip down some shelves and there's still all this stuff I got to do, but I do have to start thinking about, okay, what are we actually going to do in this garage? And so um, that has heightened my interest in, ooh, haven't seen inside that garage yet as I walk around the neighborhood yet? for the third time that day. Well, you can't, it's not, you don't know when people's garages are going to be open. So sometimes you go down the same, you know, block I've been down a hundred billion times before. Do you have any that you're really hoping for that you've been like what that you've been waiting on for a minute and you're like, I just got to know. Well, yeah, it's the it's the nicer houses. Right. And so where we live, um, the area we're in is like a pretty solid middle class neighborhood, uh, you know, middle class upper middle class. And then directly across the street is like the houses jump three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars in, in price. Like they go from uh like 300, 350 is like, you know, roughly what a bunch of them are, uh, which is like pretty normal for a house in the, in the suburbs uh, these days. And then they jump to like 700,000 across the street. And like, those are the ones where it's like, all right, I mean, you're working with, like Rob said, what if money was no object? I was like, these garages, money is no object. Um, and actually, frankly, I find myself disappointed because I open up, there's like nothing in them. Like, the like they're just empty and pristine and clean. And it's like, that's not what I want for my garage. I want mean, my garage to be a little dirty, a little grimy, feel lived in. Uh, and too frequently, the rich ones are, I don't know. They're not hanging. Rich people are not hanging out in their garages. And you know what? Garages are meant to be pseudo hangout spaces in, in addition to being a storage unit. And uh, so actually, I get the most out of, like, I've seen most of the ones. I, I've, I've seen enough, frankly. <laughs> so I'm not doing this as much as I, as I used to. But I still, every time I see a garage, 
I cannot help but look. I cannot help but look. And that is the strongest dad energy I think I can I can I can I can fathom. In fact, it was too much for Rob uh for a moment. So I feel like that's a good sign. <laughs> uh yeah, so mine like at the moment is probably still the audio stuff. I'm already thinking like Need to change some things up in my setup. Oh my uh, god! Come some. on. Nope. Just it's got to be like I got. So the thing, uh, there's just one thing I didn't do because I was so eager to get everything hooked back up to the, the receiver, the anthem. Mm. I didn't pre out the anthem to the NAD, uh, like like by amp, uh, for the for the stereo speakers, and that I've been I've been listening to the speakers for a little while, and like since they got repaired, they sound good. But I feel like they're not getting enough juice. And so I, I think at some point I have to crack. Like the the thing that's putting me off this is like to touch any wiring cabling back there, you got to touch all of it. Like the minute yeah. you pull it out, like everything is just everything's coming out. Everything's got to be redone. Uh, it's going to be a nightmare. Um, but I feel like we're a couple weeks away from me losing an entire weekend to just like pulling everything out, cleaning it up, like maybe doing some like like cable management tying stuff down and like this time really nailing it this time buttoning <laughs> it up tight uh at least until uh the some some upcoming projects uh around the house force some more changes on us at which point uh the the nas uh issue comes back to the back to the forefront um but i, I will say this though I think this is this this type of energy gets over overly ascribed to dads. Mm-hmm. I think it is an energy that is just very. If you give people a little bit of disposable income and some stability in their living arrangements, you're going to see some shit come out. Hmm. You don't know what it's going to be, <laughs> but there's going to be like hobby stuff that's just going to start happening. You're like, where's this? Where's this energy from? And we associate it with dads, I think, because you know. In a lot of households, like dads brought a lot of this energy, uh, you know, it, it, like maybe have more latitude to be overgrown boys with toys. Well, I was going to uh, say there stuff. is definitely there is a correlation between uh, and especially among families in which disproportionate labor is put on the mothers that allowed dads to manifest in ways yes. uh, mm-hmm. that uh, mothers are not uh, are not traditionally allowed to. I think I think some of that is. Is changing. I've seen enough of that amongst like the my generation, like more men, you know, taking, you know, like there were jokes made amongst like my mom and her parents were like, there were certain dads that like you could joke like, I don't think he ever changed a diaper, which is fucking crazy to me. But I, I think there is there is a through line there where it's like, you know, moms yeah. can bring some what we are calling dad energy if given the latitude to allow it to ferment and grow. Well, something that was really kind of eye-opening for me is, so I have, uh, by various means, gained access to the early <laughs> seasons of Grand Designs. And You mean a Plex server? Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, I watch it on a Plex server. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and in the early seasons, it's a little bit less rich assholes building their giant like testament to their own vanity. Uh, and they're doing a bit more like smaller projects, but also some things that are like uh, like social housing. Um, and a, a model you see twice in the first two series of Grand Designs is uh, like low income uh, families 
it's it's kind of weird. And the first time you see it, the the model seems good. The second time you see it, it seems kind of dystopian. Uh, low income families building their own homes, like building a home development, um, as part of a way to like to get job how like job training in the in the building trades. Uh, but then the end of it, they also all have homes that they like have partial equity in and the second time you see the project it's a lower equity percentage than you'd expect for people who were sort of made to build this uh you know basically work two jobs uh doing this outside their their regular lives so the episode's kind of like got a weird vibe around it but once you see everyone like he comes back and he revisits the, the site and like hey what's changed since all these people moved in this is the 90s, um, and so there's there's a lot of like charming things about this era of grand designs where you see things that are deeply dated being treated as cutting edge. But all these folks who like for the first time ever now have a space that they feel secure in and like aren't like being uh, like ruined by paying tons of rent. Fully half of them have like kitted their place out with a ridiculous sound system. Some of them have gone really like really far with it and it's sort of like it, it sort of is like more ammo for my theory that like like a lot of people would be a little bit close to the audiophile thing it's just that it's tough to like get it's not worthwhile to engage with that hobby if your living situation is fluid like but the minute a bunch of these folks were like all right i'm putting down roots you know what seed they planted a sick receiver and some like high end <laughs> high end speakers to go with it. Uh and, and so like that, that was kind of like eye-opening for me, where it's like there's just all all sorts of different people in this community, and a bunch of them had independently decided, like, man, I need I need a fucking banging sound system. And so they did. That was like, you know, like priority one, bedroom for the kids. Priority two, nicest kitchen in kitchen. Priority three, stereo rig. Yeah. So I, I, I think. I mean, did you hear that sound I just made? I understand the appeal. <laughs> Who could resist? Who could resist the? <laughs> so I think I, I think for too long, uh, we have let we we have let dads like have a monopoly on the idea of leisure hobbyism. Mm-hmm. And we need to we need to appropriate it. Everyone uh, should be able to be the weird little freak that they know in their hearts they can be. Yep. And we we can call it we you know we can continue to call it dad energy, but let's 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 just make sure that the we all understand all of us can have a, a dad hobby without living a dad life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my manifesto. And that's a wrap <laughs> on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at Waypoint, Facebook, and YouTube, Waypoint Vice. You can follow me at Rob Zachney on Twitter. Patrick, where are you? At Patrick Klupik. And also, careful if you've got an open garage. <laughs> Patrick gets into lockpicking so he can see all the garages. I'm not going to steal anything except your design ideas. <laughs> uh, Ren. You can follow me on Twitter at Ren or Raven. You can also go check out what we've published on waypoint.vice.com. Uh, be sure to read Patrick's article on Neon White uh, on the site. And thanks to Waypoint Plus. That's right. Patrick and I, we're going to be doing some virtual power washing uh, this week. Plus, uh, it'll probably be on uh, on a Twitch VOD by the time you're listening to this. But if all goes well, 
I will be playing a bit of F one twenty two on on the stream uh, in in Kato's We've been absence. taught how to stream. I know how a transition works. Oh hell yeah! Can can do wipes. Can mm-hmm. do yeah, all sorts of playlists. VLC playlists like VLC let's go. playlists. It made Should, sense. That's yeah. like, I was not. That's not how I did music in the past. It's like, oh, that this this is a lot smarter than just dropping. No, the way, the way I did it before was I would just have a playlist in my normal music player, but then also you could hear Capture the desktop, desktop audio. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was bad. That was, that was risky. Uh, and yes. I think later on this week uh, we're also going to have some uh, Patrick finishes Dark Souls, not Dark Souls. Uh, Elden Ring. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. I uh, have stalled on Elden Ring, and uh, I the best way to beat it is to turn it into content. And so, starting this Thursday, presuming <laughs> I do want to give a warning, like a bunch of the kids in our neighborhood, co- with, like there's a COVID spell going around. Our house seems okay so far. There's a there's a chance that that all radically changes by the time you've heard this. But even if it doesn't happen this week, uh. I'm planning at least on Thursday to do all day, at least once a week going forward, uh, all day streams of Elden Ring on a march to finish that game, see it all the way through. I think we are going to uh, respect my character or at least change it up so it can feel a little different. I've I, I, I just the character I'm playing as is just it's, I've kind of stalled on being interested in how they play. So as a group, we will figure that out so that will hopefully start on thursday uh and then continue until until i beat the game and uh if all goes according to plan waypoint plus listeners on the premium feed uh in addition to the episode of michael mann's uh the insider uh that went up last week this week they should be able to hear uh patrick and i chat about the latest season of uh stranger things so that sounds good or if you just want more waypoint do you want to hear patrick explain Ven, no. Ven Cussy to Rob, then th- sign up for Waypoint Plus and find out what that means. I, I, I heard did Patrick explain and I jokingly said no. And then you said Ven Cussy. And now I, I actually mm-hmm. reaffirm my no kind of kind mm-hmm, of more mm-hmm. firmly. It's mm-hmm. a good it's a good well. call. Uh, but either way, if all that sounds good, you can go to waypointplus.com and subscribe. Uh, not only do you get access to our premium feed, but you're also helping support Waypoint and everything else we do here. Uh, and, you know, we may not have the big novelty gas station cups yet, but waypointgeneralstore.com does have some other fine Waypoint merch that you can buy. Our theme music is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone/boen. For now, we're calling time on uh, this Monday. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.